the word of our Lord from the Apostle Paul. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of sufferings, so also you will partake of consolation. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your holy word to our hearts, and we pray that you would speak into our lives, where we are, where we've been, where we know we will one day be. Lord, we know that we suffer. And Lord, we pray that you would comfort us in the midst of our suffering. That you would show yourself merciful even in the midst of our pain. And we pray that through knowing your comfort and through knowing your mercy, you would help us to be avenues of comfort and mercy to others who are suffering and are in pain. And this we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus, the one who for our sakes, in his mercy, suffered for us. Amen. Suffering is an almost inevitable condition of the human experience. I didn't know whether to say experience of the human condition. That was what I first went with. But then I thought maybe I ought to say it's a condition of the human experience. I think those... Those ideas are somewhat interchangeable. But it's almost inevitable. You might even say that to live is to suffer. Because everybody suffers. You've known what suffering is. I've known what suffering is. To have lived is to have endured pain. Even Adam and Eve suffered. In and after the fall, they knew what suffering was. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Evil in Hebrew is is about disorder. It's not necessarily a moral category so much as it is the disordering of life and the disordering of the world that God created and put into order. And as a result of the fall, Adam and Eve immediately knew what it was to suffer the disorders of life. A disordering of relationship with Yahweh, a disordering of relationship with one another, a disordering of relationship with all of the created order. As the created order falls into created disorder. Everybody suffers. Even Jesus suffered. He suffered for our sakes, 
But surely the suffering of his life was not limited just to the week of his passion and just his crucifixion. Surely he suffered from skint knees and the occasional headache. To live is to suffer. It's almost inevitable. Everybody suffers. To complicate matters, there's not simply a single type of suffering. When we think of kinds of suffering, suffering is complex and it's varied. We know of, of course, physical suffering, suffering in the body, suffering that aches us and hurts our flesh. There's spiritual suffering. And if you never suffered spiritually, you haven't lived. There's emotional suffering, suffering deep within our hearts and souls. Relational suffering. As families and friendships and all of the relationships of life sometimes go through a period of trouble and disorder and suffering and hurt and pain. There's, of course, financial suffering. There are probably even more categories of suffering than we would care to mention. And we could probably spend hours discussing all of the different ways that we suffer, the different kinds of suffering that we have. But again, for certain, everybody suffers. To complicate matters even more, we suffer as individuals. We suffer as families. We suffer as friends. We suffer as even communities. We can talk about the the suffering that's going on in a particular community, whether it's a particular community in our community or a particular community in another state. We suffer as, as different states. We suffer as nations. We suffer even as cultures. Cultures go through periods of suffering. When I was in Haiti back in January, the suffering that I saw was simply incomprehensible and it was inexpressible. I couldn't... I, I had quite a bit of, uh, of pictures and video footage and whatnot. And some of you that came over the house to see it, uh, you saw glimmers of the suffering. But, but that was, those were simply snapshots. A whole nation, half of an island, in perpetual, generations-long suffering of a particular kind. David, this week, saw overwhelming suffering. Innumerable folks living out on the streets and living in tents. No home, probably very little clothing, and certainly not much food. And so suffering isn't just something that we endure on the individual level, but it's also something that endures on a variety of different levels. Relationships and and whether they're Relationships of individual persons like friends and families or relationships on a more societal level like communities and states and nations and cultures. And Of course, you thought that it couldn't get even more complicated, but matters can get more complicated because there are also various causes of suffering. We suffer sometimes as a result of natural causes. Hurricanes. 
tornadoes, flooding, landslides, even headaches and backaches. There are a variety of natural causes that produce suffering in our lives. We suffer sometimes as a result of our own stupidity. You know, ride a dirt bike without a helmet, you might just get hurt. I had a friend in college. I didn't know him very well, but uh, the short period of time that I got to know him, I cared a lot about him. We spent a lot of time together for a period of about three months until he went home. It was our freshman year of college at Wesley. He was from Powder Springs and uh, went home for fall break. And on his way back, about half a mile away from the school, he rounded a bend and lost control of his car and hit another car head on and he wasn't wearing his seatbelt because he was almost home and it unbuckled him. Sometimes we suffer as a result of our own stupidity. Things that we do that we ought not do that then inflict harm on ourselves and on others. And sometimes we suffer as a result of the stupidity of others. (coughs) Drunk driving. Someone breaking into your home. Banks, inane and unnecessary laws that inflict suffering on people. We suffer sometimes as a result of persecution. You know, it's, it's funny and it's, and it's horrible that the 1900s, the 20th century, at the beginning, we're, told, we're, we're, we're called the Christian century. This is going to be it. We're bringing Christian utopia to the world. The world's going to live in peace. Everyone's got, the, the nations are going to be Christianized. And we're going to live in Christian harmony. And it became the worst century. The bloodiest, most violent century in recorded history. Not just the wars, but also the persecution of the church. More Christians were persecuted in that hundred year block than all of the centuries of the church combined up to that point. We suffer sometimes as a result of sharing our heart with another person. You know, when you share your heart with someone else, it can get hurt. It can get broken. Love demands vulnerability. This was the immediate motive behind Paul's letter to the Corinthians. There's actually, it seems, a letter to the Corinthians that goes between 1st and 2nd Corinthians that we don't have. And Paul makes reference to it here in 2nd Corinthians. It's not part of the New Testament. Paul had been going through some turmoil with the Corinthians. A church that he loved and yet a church with all manner of problems. And you read about them in 1st Corinthians. And Paul had to write them a a scathing letter, a bit of a harsh letter. And as he begins talking about the tribulation he's gone through and the afflictions that he's gone through, he's talking to them as one who has passionately loved them and has been very worried and concerned about where his relationship with them stands. Knowing that he had... 
He had to bring a bit of apostolic discipline. He had to be a bit harsh as a loving father. And he tells them, I was in so much tribulation, so much discomfort. I thought that I was going to die. I felt like the world was falling apart around me. Because I've borne my soul to you. And I care so deeply for you. When you hurt, I hurt. And I trust that when I hurt, you hurt. And I don't want you to hurt. There are various causes of suffering in life. And you know, there's, there's nothing inherently noble about suffering throughout the centuries, particularly in the church. But, but even, especially in Eastern culture, there have been periods where we've almost celebrated and glamorized suffering. Those who suffer the most are the best, they're the holiest, they're the most upright. But while there's nothing inherently noble about suffering, there can be found nobility in how we suffer. It's possible to suffer for the right reasons and to suffer well. It's one of the things that Peter in his epistles talks about is you will suffer. And it's not good to suffer for things you ought not do. You know, it's not good to suffer because you did something that was wrong to someone else. Then your suffering is justified. But it is possible to suffer for the right reasons, to suffer for the sake of the gospel, to suffer because of your great love for someone else. And it's possible to suffer well. (laughs) Suffering well does not always mean suffering in silence and suffering alone. In fact, it often means not suffering alone. And it sometimes means not suffering in silence. In fact, there's sometimes... There are some times in our lives when suffering in silence and suffering alone is the worst possible way to suffer. We keep within ourselves and let no one know. And that's part of what's apparently a systematic problem in our culture. And I would say that our culture is in a period of suffering. We may be more prosperous than we've been before. We may have more technology and more magic at our fingertips than ever before. But our culture is, is suffering because our culture seems to be rotting from the core. And we have grown far too isolated. We're trying to live our lives on islands and we're drowning at life. Not just in the busyness of our schedules, but drowning, having no one else. Connected to thousands of people at the touch of our thumbs. And yet having no one really as a true friend in life. Some of us even champion the fact that we can hold ourselves off and hunker down when we're suffering. That we can bear it. That's what it means to be a man. That's what it means to be strong. We hear it in the lyrics of Simon and Garfunkel. A winter's day and a deep and dark December. I am alone gazing from my window to the streets below on a freshly fallen silent shroud of snow. I am a rock. I am an island. I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. 
I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving. I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. Don't talk of love. But I've heard the words before. It's sleeping in my memory. I won't disturb the slumber of feelings that have died. If I never loved, I never would have cried. I am a rock. I am an island. I have my books and my poetry to protect me. I am shielded in my armor, hiding in my room, safe within my womb. I touch no one and no one touches me. I am a rock. I am an island. And a rock feels no pain. And an island never cries. I've heard that song since I was a little kid. And obviously it came out way before I was a little kid. And I've always thought how terribly beautiful of a song. And yet how terribly depressing of a reality. To try to live completely untouched by others for fear. For fear of being hurt. Because remember what I said earlier. Love demands vulnerability. And vulnerability always brings with it risk. We were made for one another. That's, I kept harping on that all throughout the summer. We were made for one another. Made for a relationship. And that necessarily involves letting one another know how life is going. You're not in a relationship with someone. If they're not aware when you're hurting, if they're not aware when you're down, if they're not aware when life is difficult. And you know, despite what the folks on TV tell you, Jesus is acquainted with suffering. He was the suffering servant, He was the one who bore our pain, He was the one who bore our sorrow. So the Christian life isn't. Pain free and sorrow free. And as people typically suffer. But he will always meet us in our suffering. He knows our suffering full well. He is intimately aware of it and knows its painful burden. He himself has borne that burden. You'd have to block out probably 90% of the scriptures to conclude that Christians and people who are living by faith just won't hurt in life. That's crazy talk. It's certainly not biblical. Jesus knows it. The scriptures are filled with the stories of those who've suffered. There's a whole book on it. Job, perhaps the first book of the Bible written. Again, everybody does it. This is one of those things where it's okay that everybody does it. Everybody suffers. The New Testament warns us to not fool ourselves into thinking that we can always avoid suffering. Not only will we suffer, but we will almost most probably suffer for Christ at some point in our lives if we remain faithful to Him. That's what Peter tells us. You can count on it. That's what Jesus told his disciples. The night he was betrayed, his last night with them, he warned them. If they come after me, don't think they're not going to come after you. They're going to throw you out of the synagogues. They're going to mistreat you. 
They're going to abuse you. They're going to hurt you in my name. And they're going to think that they're doing good for God as they do it. That's where the Apostle Paul was. He's very adamant about it. That I was convinced that I was serving God by, by abusing and persecuting his church until he met Jesus. The one who still, even then, bore the marks of his suffering. Because Jesus never leaves us alone in our suffering. He doesn't leave us to suffer in silence. He joins us in it. He does not abandon us as orphans. He meets us in suffering. And so while suffering may not be anything noble in and of itself, just like many holy places that are dark, suffering is a place that God is able to meet us because He's able to meet us at the point of our need, our need for Him, our need for one another, and He is able to come to us and make that place a holy thing, a thing that belongs to Him, that He shares of us. You know, often when we suffer, not only do we sometimes hunker down and shut ourselves off from others, but also we, we will either try to just deal with it ourselves and ignore God, or that's the only time in life that we run to God. And you know, I'm not, I, I try not. I'm, I try not to be cynical about people that when life is falling apart, run to Him. Because you know what? At least they're turning to Him. But the fact is that God wants the totality of our lives to be His. To be wholly His. You may not have noticed, you may have noticed, that uh, we've got some weird punctuation and spelling going on with the, the title throughout these last several weeks. Holy His. Holy, obviously. You know, holy, holy. But, um, but entirely holy typically would be spelled uh, W-H-O-L-L-Y. But W-H-O-L-Y is an actual spelling of the word. It's arcane. It's no longer used that way. But you know what? True Christian faith is somewhat arcane in our world. To live lives that are entirely belonging to Jesus. To see our work lives and our relationships and our imaginations and, and even the suffering that we go, to, go through in life. To see all of that submitted under the Lordship of Jesus. That's a bit arcane of an idea. Because so many around us and so many among us think that, that the Christian life is just simply the, something that happens for a couple hours on Sundays. If then. We don't often live in the reality that our entire lives are being called under Christ. To be found in Him. Even our suffering. So the question that remains is, Where do we go when we suffer? Do we go into ourselves and shut everything off, shut everyone off, shut all the outside off? Do we go to those that we think will tell us what we want to hear? 
You know those voices. Those voices that help us to become more bitter about life. Those voices that help us to be bitter. And those voices that help us to grow in our bitterness. Because those aren't the voices we need to hear. Those aren't the ones to which we need to go. When we suffer, do we go to Jesus? After all, He is the end-all, be-all of comfort and mercy. Do we go to our Heavenly Father, the one that Paul declares is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort? I love how Paul puts that. He's, He's not just describing God. He's naming Him. This is who He is. He is the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our tribulation. Do we go to the Holy Spirit, our paraclete, the one who comes alongside us, the one who joins us on the way, our great comforter? Do we go to one another? If not, we ought. Just as the Scriptures insist that we confess our sins one to another, and they do insist that, so also do they demand that we bear one another's burdens. In the same book, actually, Galatians, Paul tells the Galatians, bear one another's burdens. And then just to keep us honest, to keep us from being lazy, he also immediately then after says, and bear your own burdens while you're at it. In other words, don't become somebody who's always just pushing things off on other people. Man up. But also bear one another's burdens. But how can you bear my burdens without knowing them? And how can I bear your burdens if I don't know about them? Suffering alone, going through life alone, it's never, it's never a winning game plan, and it's never good for the soul. I'm about to sound like a nag, but you know, we don't communicate well enough. We have an opportunity every week to communicate together, to let, for you at least, to be able to let me know what's going on in life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? David, what am I talking about? Communication Communication cards. You mind grabbing the communication cards real quick? I was going to grab them, but it'd be, since you knew what they were, I can keep talking while you grab them. You know, most weeks... When Bill hands me, Bill takes the money out of the offering baskets and then hands me the communication cards. He's always very careful not to look at them when he hands them to me. But typically he hands me three, maybe five on a good Sunday. Like I said, we don't communicate well enough. I need to know how to be praying for you. David, thank you so much. So what I want you to do, I'm going to pass these out. If you don't already have one, I want to hand you one. I want you to put your name. Don't even worry about your information. I probably already have all of your information. 
But on the back, I want, you to, I want us all to take a few moments and think about what's really burdening me in life. What's, what am I going through right now that I need my pastor, my shepherd, to pray for? I want to fill that, that offering basket up. Now that typically means something else in a church context. Let's fill up the plates. But I want to... I want we, got to we, we got two bags. We got two bags. Let's fill them both up. Um, but I, I, I really want you to prayerfully think about what is it that I need my pastor to be praying for me about. I want to take a few moments to be silent. Lindsay's going to come and play and, and let us have a period of silence. And then we'll pray. And then Lindsay will lead us in our, in our closing song.